Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. Alexandra Arachia, born Trinidad, Cuba, 1970, graduated from the prestigious Instituto Superior de Art in Havana in 1994 and was a founding member of the Cuban artist collective Los Carpinteros, 1991-2003. Arachia's work employs visual metaphors for social themes of inequality, cultural disenfranchisement, and the disputed position of art in global, media-driven society. Like many artists of his generation, he manipulates symbols and materials in an ambivalent manner, causing the viewer to walk away without a specific point of view about the work. In the spring of 2013, Arechia exhibited a series of monumental sculptures that reflect on New York architecture along the Park Avenue malls. In this conversation, Arechia discusses his development from working as an art student in Havana to his international career. He shares how the term space defeated was born as a reaction to the stiffness of cultural institutions and how this understanding has evolved over time. The conversation with Michelle Bird of the National Gallery of Art Department of French Paintings was preceded by a film screening of No Limits, based on Arechia's 2013 project, directed by photographer Juan Carlos Alom. The film you're about to see was made by Cuban photographer Juan Carlos Alom and documents the installation of a public works project titled No Limits by the artist Alexander Arechia. The public art installation was presented in March of 2013 along the Park Avenue Mall between 54th and 67th Streets and features 10 large-scale sculptures representing iconic New York City buildings. Much of Alex's art explores the concepts of control, power, and surveillance, and oftentimes through the use of familiar objects and architecture as metaphors for the collective body and its relationship to space, place, and time. In this series, Arechia entices the viewer to explore his or her own role in the shared history, be it past or present, by contemplating the structures as well as interacting with them. I don't know how many people actually stood on this, but Alex is allowed to, right? (laughs) The 10 buildings Alex has reinterpreted for his project portray landmark Manhattan iconic buildings. While meticulous in their attention to detail, the buildings have been decontextualized in impossible and sometimes fanciful ways. Some are twisted and turned and rotated, while others are fused on top of spinning tops, resulting in the idea of a building in perpetual motion, a building that can continuously spin, fall, or rise again. The artist has said of the project, quote, I have created this set of works that confront dynamism versus static, the whole versus the fragmented, control versus chaos, and utopia versus reality." Alex's good friend and fellow artist Juan Carlos Alom had the idea to film the project and brought to it his unique vision and sensitivity. Selected by Time Magazine in 2000 as one of the 10 major Latin American photographers of the millennium, Alom is among the artist's most influential photographers and experimental filmmakers. His work often incorporates elements of ritual, magical realism, and Afro-Cuban religion, providing new content to old understandings that arise from Cuban myths, aesthetics, and social norms and values. He does more than just tell a story with his photographs. He creates poetic images that leave deep, lasting impressions. The collaborative process has been a consistent feature of Alex's work as an artist. As one of the founding members of the collective Los Carpinteros until his departure after 12 years together in 2004, his name has been associated with contemporary Cuban art for the past 25 years. These two works, a photograph entitled Trinidad on the left and on the right a watercolor from the series Genesis, highlight the vital role both photography and drawing play in Alex's work. As his practice develops, his exploration of both media as a way to create the illusion of reality gives way to new representations and documentations of an unattainable reality. In a sense, the process of transmutation allows for the photograph to perform the function of a drawing and vice versa. This slide from Alex's thesis exhibition at Enya, the National School of Art in Havana, documents an early installation containing many of the themes he explores as a solo artist and as part of a collective throughout his career. 
The choice of elements, a chair, a mirror, a light, a socialist-made alarm clock, and furniture and objects from his family home in Trinidad allow the artist the opportunity to talk about history, economics, politics, and most importantly, the function of art. This series, Architectural Elements, illustrates the persistence of the serial in his body of work and the use of reoccurring themes, often to differing conclusions. An important constancy in Alex's work is that of the expanding concept of space as a place of ethical, social, and cultural confrontation. This work, the first major work he undertook after leaving Los Carpinteros, is the result of the realization that objects and drawings were no longer sufficient to contain his ideas. It is here that space itself becomes the protagonist in his work. This investigation led to interventions staged in the space of the real world. The invitation for sweat, which you see right here, oops, I'm sorry, on the top left, signaled to the attendees that they would be witnessing a project in social sculpture, a direct reference to Joseph Boys. Around the same time, the artist created two new spaces in the oldest independent art space in Cuba. In this work, Alex attempted to enlarge the physical and symbolic limits of reality by creating an installation in the area given to him by the curator and owner of the space, Sandra Ceballos, which also happened to be her living room. With the within the abbreviated space, two videos showing the rising and setting of the sun and moon allowed the participants to be transported to a world eternal and vast. Continuing in his investigation of space, the Garden of Mistrust and the Orange Tree were born in unison as ideas. One deals with issues of control and the other chaos. While an immediate reading of a work dealing with issues of control and censorship could be read in the context of the artist's country of origin, the experience extends beyond the local to the realm of the universal. In this exhibition, called The City That Stopped Dancing, a replica of the famous Bacardi building in Havana on a spinning top and toppled over was installed in the lobby of the actual building in Havana. Through the work, the artist creates both a playful juxtaposition between the sculpture and the architecture, and a dialogue full of tension and contradiction. In this work, called The Room of All, he continues to expand upon the idea of the variability of space and the effects of forces beyond one's control. In this work, the space of the house contracts or expands in accordance, in accordance to the rise and fall of the Dow Jones Industrial. It was wonderful, this, and it was beautifully installed in one of the um, cavernous areas in the Cabanas in, during the biennial. A video projection in Times Square, New York, called Black Sun, is part of the violated space that Alex has referenced before in his projects. The work was first shown in Greece in 2009 and in New York in 2010. In both, in both cases, the installation collided with present-day reality with the fall of the Greek economy and the 2010 stock market crash involving the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, and NASDAQ. And so here we are um, looking at some images from the project No Limits, um, back at the idea of space defeated, perhaps space conquered, space reimagined. The possibilities are infinite. Alex is going to be in control of the second half of the presentation. Um, and we're going to hear from him in his own words about his work. But I just wanted to say um, thank you again to Faya, and thank you uh, to all of you for coming today. And um, as Faya mentioned, um, and many of you know, I had the great privilege to live in Havana in 2004 to 2006 and had the incredible opportunity to meet many of the artists working in Cuba at that time, but Alex was not one of them. As I was arriving to Havana in the summer of 2004, he was leaving in the summer of 2004. And while our histories at that moment were on a parallel course about different diref di differing directions, the stars aligned one day last fall, and we finally got to meet. And uh, it was an immediate connection as he became the missing link for so much that was unsaid and misunderstood while I lived in Havana. So it was with great pleasure that I sit here today with my friend Alex. Welcome again, and um, let's just uh, jump right in. And Alex is gonna start at the beginning. Okay, let me see if I can move forward to this image so people are more... 
okay. familiar with what I'm going to say. Well, I didn't say that when we were, uh, we were introducing the film, but I am honored to be here. Uh, thanks to Michelle, thank you, Faya, and thank you, the National Gallery, for having me. It's uh, an extremely important opportunity for me to be here, and I'm going to do my best to tell you uh, about my ideas and what I think in general. And um, to start with, I have also to say that uh, in my lifetime, uh, especially uh, starting to study art in Havana, I have been very privileged uh, of uh, being uh, having great professors as part of my, of my career. Among them, I have uh, uh, the opportunity to have with me today uh, Jacqueline Maggi, which started, we all started together back in early 80s, uh, 85, 86. Jacqueline was my professor then, and it's a great pleasure to have her here today. And she's gonna, she, she's the one who's gonna tell you that I'm not lying, that I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things uh, uh, for me as, a, as an art student back in Havana is to have the privilege of having a really good education and to share with uh, amazing people, students, friends, who have been uh, you know, with me through all these years and uh, we continue being friends. But I have to mention particularly uh, uh, the experience that I, my first experience as an art student in Havana uh, after uh, uh, Jacqueline and I, we finished and then I started at the Institute in Havana. Uh, my second professor, which I always mention, because he's always uh, he's also as, as Jacqueline is, part of the column of who I am today, and that is René Francisco. René Francisco, uh, back in uh, 1991, uh, uh, was uh, uh, trying to focus his uh, teaching in trying to expand the limits of what uh, is uh, an art student and to educate us in a way that we have uh, a, a more broader uh, understanding of art in general. And one of those first projects, and I have to mention this before I start to talk about this because it's important to elaborate uh, this. Uh, uh, he took us uh, back in the 90s to, uh, to Old Havana, where we had an experience of going to a particular building that he chose himself in order for us as a student uh, to start relating to a specific situation. This, is, this situation was to share with the neighbors of that building in helping them to, uh, to have a better life. How we do that? Uh, René told us that, uh, to, or encouraged us to ask them what they will uh, make them better citizens or, and better people and to uh, uh, have a better life. And obviously, those neighbors at the beginning started to ask uh, for things that obviously we were unable to, to give them, like a TV set or a refrigerator, because we didn't have ourselves that. But instead, we said that we are able to, to paint their walls, to build a cabinet, or just simply uh, you know, redecorate their house. And each of, our, of, of us was living with a particular family. And among those experiences that we all had, there was one experience that for me was uh, one of the most important and essential. And it's the fact that there was a family that uh, their father had died recently. And uh, she was telling us that uh, the father, before he died, he was always crying for the idea that, because he was a, a chess player. I was crying for the idea he was unable to play with one of the greatest chess players that existed in Cuba. And obviously, that was not possible because they didn't coincide in time. And uh, uh, they are telling us this story. And immediately, we come up with an idea. Why not to create a painting that will contain the experience of their father playing with uh, uh, Jose Raul Capablanca, which is his chess player, uh, the two together. So and we did that. And we made that family super happy. And that particular piece, among the others that we did, was, uh, for me, the, the, the ground to start growing after that. Um, uh, 
Later, after we finished that project that was exhibited at the gallery in, in Cuba as an experience of all the objects that we have done there, and, and the writings, and the drawings, and photo, photography that we took of the place, etc., uh, Rene left Havana, and he left it behind. He went to settle himself in, in Spain for a few months. And, and at the time, that one I, we had, we have created a, like a good friendship. Uh, You're talking about Dagoberto Rodriguez. I'm talking, about, Rodriguez talking from... about Dagoberto Rodriguez, who uh, uh, Dagoberto and I uh, created the project Los Carpinteros, which have, we have a second a stage after when Marco joins the, the project. But it's important to tell about this first moment because this uh, uh, initiative uh, moment, these first uh, uh, days, uh, that one I, we frankly didn't, uh, we're talking about creating a collaboration. We were just doing what we were doing with Rene, which is to build objects that could be useful for someone. And there is a, a moment in which we decide why not to exhibit that, but where to exhibit that. Uh, because for a student to get a gallery, that's a really tough. And uh, Well, back then it was. It has definitely changed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then uh, we come up with the idea of why not to exhibit this work at a cigar factory? Because all the objects that we are building are related to that industry. And somehow uh, the, 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 the idea of bringing the object to the to the factory will be paying an homage to that uh, industry that we've been taking so many ideas from. So this picture, this particular picture, belongs to that first stage when that one and I are starting to, to get on, on these ideas, how to collaborate, how to exhibit the project, how to do this. Uh, this uh, and this belongs to this experience that we also had with Rene, which was to create um, um, this uh, uh, persona, which is Eugenia Proenza, and all the words that she created, she's, she doesn't exist. We just yeah, come up with that idea. But there's her CV on the uh, right-hand so, side. But uh, this experience with Los Carpinteros, obviously, at the time we didn't call ourselves Los Carpinteros. Everybody else called us Los Carpinteros. Well, we didn't sign us that until we realized that we definitely have to adopt that name. And that was especially when Marco... Castillo joined us uh, uh, in that second stage in which we were uh, more like practicing the idea of collaboration in, in the terms like that one I, we are the carpenters and Marco is the painter and we collaborate in the way that we built for Marco all the instruments that he needs for his painting, like an easel, you know, uh, like a, a bench for sitting and all that. But then we, we started to get more complicated and we started to build objects that like, for instance, the fireplace that inside have a painting in which that one eye we are surrounding uh, a, a, a fire. So we have started to create objects that somehow are going to be meaningful uh, uh, and they are in discussion with the history of Cuba. And this is one thing that uh, somehow uh, we haven't missed, I haven't missed, is this dialogue that we have with uh, uh, Cuban history, but history in general. So to jump quickly to this uh, work, this is one of the, the last projects that I did with Los Carpinteros and was presented during Havana Biennial in 2000. Uh, it represents the uh, transportable city, basic uh, buildings or, or, or uh, iconic buildings that represent the building, the factory, the lighthouse, the, 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 the capital, the church, the prison, the university, the, the, you know, the, the military building. Uh, so, totally, uh, uh, total uh, but, 10 buildings. Can I just um, point out one thing, and if you could flip back to Café. Um, yeah, Café. So this, uh, it's just really important to realize that there, this is when you're really starting to challenge the notion of space. You're, you're working outside, uh, you're trying to push the limits outside of the actual physical space that you're in. And then by the next work, when we get to transportable cities, exactly. you have, transcend, you have moved out into it. Thank you for mentioning this, because this piece particularly is inspired in, a, in an actual desire that we had at the time. We, as an artist, wanted to build a cafe to invite artists to have discussions and to create you know, a, an environment for ourselves. Obviously, we were unable to do that. At the time, it's not like now that people can have like, uh, you know, restaurants and, and, and open you know, businesses. At the time, that was impossible. 
And we ended up doing this piece, which somehow is, you know, divided in two. It's the drawing and actual objects. It's like a, a, a process of trying to make something, trying to build something. And that relationship, as, as you just named, is, uh, is uh, working with the space in that sense as, as a utopia, but a, also a, a reality. And, uh, and I, f I find the title of the exhibition, Everything Has Been Reduced to Half the Original, is very poignant. Also because of where this installation was installed. So this is in El Moro, in the, the, the lighthouse, the castle, the, um, you know, this beacon um, in the Havana Bay that everybody identifies with. In fact, I was telling Alex and our Watson and the shark, when you look at our painting, there's the, the lighthouse. It, it, has, it has meaning for us as Americans, but as for Cubans, it's, you know, it, it's one of the icons in Havana. And this exhibition is in there, so there's already, he's already created this sort of tension between the, um, the installation and the subject and the art and the architecture, which was an exploration that you had begun actually long ago in Trinidad. Right, um, absolutely. So, uh, this particular piece is going to be reproduced again in an uh, upcoming oh. show of Los Carpinteros that is going to happen in July in, um, in Sao Paulo as part of a big project that uh, the Brazilian bank is organizing uh, a traveling show of Los Carpinteros. And obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there to uh, recreate again this, this piece. Uh, because this is a very important piece for from that period. This is 96, 97, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So transportable city, which is the first time that we start dealing with the, the issue of transportable. It is funny because I have to say that when we were creating this piece, we are talking to Rosa Lowinger, which is a, a dear friend and who helped us a lot in creating this particular project. And at some point we are discussing between the three of us, and we at some point said that this is like, this is too much related with Christ. And she was like, Christ? What's, what's the deal with Christ? That doesn't make any sense. We were refer referring to uh, uh, Jean-Claude Jean and, 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 and Christ, the oh, artist. Oh, in the sense, <laughs> In the sense of, uh, you know, using the canvas and using, uh, you know. And, uh, and she was totally... <laughs> And uh, obviously, you know, those fears that you have when you are, uh, you know, uh, starting to develop your ideas and, uh, and not to coincide with other artists. But I think at the end, uh, Transportable City uh, uh, made, you know, a good impact somehow because, you know, we we'd made it for Havana Biennial, but immediately it started to travel to different places such as PS1, the, the museum in Hawaii, uh, LACMA in Los Angeles, uh, and so on. Right now, it's part of a, a permanent collection of the, of the which is this, uh, the Tampa University in, uh, well, in Tampa, the Graphics Studio, which they bought it for, uh, um, for their institution. Well, this was a very important um, biennial in 2000 because the international world, the international art world, was really focusing on Cuba and the art coming out of it, and particularly you guys. I don't know how much pressure and stress you felt um, but, uh, and it's a moment where, in so many different senses, the Cuban art, although the artists themselves had been sort of um, cognizant of this, but it went from a very local to a very global idea. So these buildings are buildings you find in any major Western city, um, you know, the, the church, the, you know, the, the jail, et cetera. Um, so it, and, but having it also... Yeah, and, the, and the factory is actually sugar mill, so... Right. <laughs> Not in every country, but... Um, but, uh, you know, it, it really resonated with, with the placement in Havana and the visitors that were there. No, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a, an extraordinary experience, I mean, since the beginning. And imagine that we transport that transportable city to Havana from Los Angeles. It was built in <laughs> Los Angeles. And we didn't like put it in, in crates and, and, and send it to, you know, in a ship or whatever. No, 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 we did it ourselves. And we are at the airport at the time with this pile of objects that says capital church. And, <laughs> and people are uh, in, the, in the line like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Like a church, like a capital. And people asking, obviously, the, 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 the guy who's helping us, Al Nodal, to bring all this project to Havana, 
he's telling us, said that this is for the capital and that you are rebuilding and helping to renovate the capital so people don't get into that. <laughs> and so we are into that. Obviously, at, the, at, that, at that time, we also transport chairs, sofas, and all that, because that also was needed for ourselves. <laughs> well, anyway, that's Transportable City, and that's uh, one of the main works from that period, which I cherish the most. And um, so, and that's, that's the transition to what it comes after. You know, after 12 years of work with Los Carpinteros, uh, for me, I have learned as a student that what is important is, is uh, the art language rather than the forms that you create or the ways that you create it. So uh, the art language is about to be expanded. And as a young student, I have started working in collaboration. I've never had experience of working as a solo artist. And I have done this for 12 years. This has been like an, an amazing opportunity for me to work with two talented artists. Um, but it's the time to also to confront with yourself. And as I said, it's about language. It's about like expanding the language. And even when I'm reducing somehow the idea of collaboration to uh, one person, for me, it's about expanding. Because it's about to create new opportunities with, but from my own vision. And that's what I did then. And I started uh, uh, with this first project that was initially shown here, the, the, the sweat which was done in this uh, uh, basketball court in, in Havana. But immediately, during those days, I started to develop ideas that are related to the idea of surveillance and control, and how uh, uh, control, especially for uh, uh, Cuban, living in Cuba in the, 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 period, the large period of the revolution, surveillance have played a very significant role. And uh, surveillance, not in a way that we know today, like uh, with a camera, it's about the neighbor. The, the neighbor watching you. So uh, for me, this is a moment in which I want to uh, start developing this idea of how to create an object that give you somehow some pleasant, but at the same time, uh, give you the, the terrifying idea of being, uh, uh, you know, being an object to, uh, to be uh, made for surveillance. And uh, you know, you, you remember those images of Adam and Eve, so the tree is always a place to hide, a place to be co comfortable. In this case, it's not at all. This case is about to feel uncomfortable all the time. So this piece particularly also have the images that is capturing, they are being projected in the different angles of the place where the piece is exhibited. So you can see there and there, you know, uh, and this particular installation is uh, uh, part of the collection of Ellipse uh, Foundation in Portugal. So I was lucky enough to enter to that collection. And uh, so this particular piece opened that period in, for me, uh, start dealing with a space in, in the sense of control. And video was an... Uh, and video, of an, course. Yeah, I, the... I, I haven't talked about that because video also became a new medium for me after just I left the, the Pride of Los Carpinteros. And most of the video that I have done belong to that period, 2003, 2004. I have done things after uh, because I love the medium, but not as much as I did at that time. So this uh, piece, uh, Perpetual Free Entrance, was, which was done at the Patio Herediano in, in Spain, in Valladolid, it's one of my favorite ones. Here I started to link the idea of surveillance, uh, video, with the object, and the, how to display that in a way that when you enter the, 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 the perimeter of this uh, space, which by the way is a beautiful uh, chapel from 13th century, uh, when I was told that I have to do something there, I was totally frightened because it's like, what I'm going to do to so, such a beautiful, beautiful oh, space? Oh, can I read this quote right I have that you, you said? They showed me the space. I was hallucinating. It was huge, beautiful. It was a huge, beautiful chapel, and I designed perpetual free entrance on the spot. Since then, a new story started for me. I lost the fear of returning to the object. Right, exactly. So I lost that fear, definitely. But one of the things that for me uh, are essential when I'm, 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 I'm creating uh, uh, my work is to, uh, to link the, my work to the space where it's being shown. And this, is, this idea, as long, I mean, as part of the, 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 also the, the, 
The Garden, the garden of Mistrust. The Garden of Mistrust, sorry. Uh, perpetual free entrance is gonna, is gonna be that second step in which I'm gonna use a specific institution like uh, uh, Patio Reriano in, in Spain and start a dialogue in which that surveillance system is gonna be part of my work, but at the same time doesn't necessarily to be, it needs to be the essence of that work. And uh, here, what you're gonna see is like people entering to the museum, but at the same time, they are doing it to my work. So it's somehow to link that moment in which the visitor, even if they are not going to see my piece, it, they are captured, they are part of it. Because uh, one of the things that I was telling at the time that is not, so, and, and then I told that to you, and then you say, well, we have to deal with that in a different way, is that museums today, they definitely have to deal with quotas. And for me, at the time, what was important is like, no matter how many people see my work, if at least one uh, people see my work, that will be enough to spread the news. And that's what is important for me, is if, if art is, is valuable enough to touch the, a person, then it's worth it, you know? Uh, no, I, not, not that I mean that my work is valuable enough to, 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 to worth it, but at least to start that type of discussion. Well, but let me back up, because you, you, I think the museum, or the, the gallery space was afraid that people would think that the admission was free, because yeah. the piece is called Perpetual Free Entry, and of course they wanted to, you know, didn't want to mislead people, so it was a... No, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a big discussion. I'm mm -hmm. like uh, fighting for my title, and they are like, Alex, I don't think we're going to put that title, because it, it, this <laughs> would confuse people. But I, then, then I have to admit, well, listen, I'm trying to do that, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put you in a position of a, a weird position and you somehow. Won. And I won. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a detail of, uh, so you can see better. This, this one, for instance, oh, I have this. Yes. Technology. <laughs> yes. This one, for instance, is the entrance to the library of the museum. So these two others are the entrance to the museum. So coming from uh, perpetual free entrance, um, I have been traveling already a lot uh, during those days and, and also uh, grabbing with me uh, memories, you know, and those memories are like tiny portions of dust, debris, you know, little amounts of uh, lint that you find in corners of buildings. And obviously when people see me doing that, they think I'm crazy, but anyway. <laughs> But I, I, I collect them and I'm, I'm putting in like small boxes and then I have a, a collection of uh, many of them so I don't know what to do with that. And there is this uh, a moment in which I'm living in Spain, I don't have a gallery in New York, but then the, 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 the gallery that I worked with uh, for a few years later, they called me and they, uh, um, uh, through a friend of mine who told me, Alex, this is, this is gonna be a good opportunity for to keep your name in New York and it's important and I accepted and then uh, they told me that they would like to start making like a, a, a nice show, a big show at the gallery and I come up with the idea of, of creating this uh, um, um, a sort of like a, a gym where you instead of practicing your muscle then you are going to practice your geography somehow. So, uh, or my geography. <laughs> <laughs> and what I did, I placed all those small amounts of debris in those uh, uh, little uh, uh, punching bags. And, and, and uh, Peggy knows perfectly what that means. And, uh, and this piece became uh, uh, something new for me. This is about to deal with a space in a different, a completely different way. The way I place these punching bags with this amount of debris inside in the gallery were kind of a map, uh, you know, uh, somehow uh, simulating all the path that I've been taking to take the... Because the, the, each uh, one, are, each they're one. engraved with uh, and where they the have debris a, came a, from. Yeah, they are engraved with the, with where the dust come from, you know, the city, the address of that place. So uh, in creating, and that idea of uh, having access to those memories somehow, you definitely have to break the glass if you want to take part of, the, of that memory. So that brings, a, again, the idea of how elusive are memories. And, uh, and I remember, and I, is, I know it's tough to say this, but I still remember when Peggy 
lost her house and uh, unfortunately on her collection. Uh, um, the Havana punching bag was part of the, her collection and we lost that uh, piece. And it's, it's tough, it's, it's tough to deal with that experience, but that once again tells you how fragile are uh, memories and belongings and, 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 and all that. And I always, uh, and I have to tell you this, I always bring that uh, uh, to any uh, conference or lecture that I, I give because it became part of that experience also. So, um, suicide landscape. <laughs> Coming again to the object, I'm getting closer and closer to the object again. Uh, suicide landscape. Well, that's one thing I love about when, at the end, when you see the, the body of work, there's not a linear progression. It's you know a moment that that goes out in so many different directions, and it may it's so multi-dimensional, it, it multi-layered. It might go backwards and and below, and it might go forward, and you know it just there's so many the works relate on so many different levels to each other and to what no, you're what, the, this idea of space that you're working. No, with. absolutely, because what precisely one of my goal is 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 try to see. A space and the object for as much as different angles as possible, because I think that is essential. It's, uh, it's somehow, uh, you know, you can arrive to the wrong conclusion, but if you see it from another angle, maybe you can achieve something that you didn't did, uh, you didn't with the previous uh, installation or, or, uh, or object. And in that sense, I'm always like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty nervous when I'm creating because I'm you know, I, sometimes I have to control myself because, like, you know, no, 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 don't do it. Um, but anyway, I believe what I brought here today is, it, it explains a, a lot of what I do, those different directions. And Suicide Landscape precisely plays with that, play with that idea of the, of the, of the space of, or a situation that is linked to a, a particular moment, like it's this enjoying, the enjoyment of being in a sled, but going down, you know, it is, it, is a, it, is, um, it is tough, but it's a reality to deal with that uncertainty of what is going to come after, you know, either you enjoy or you crash in the end. You know? <laughs> this uh, Mississippi bucket, which is uh, the, the, the piece that, um, for which I was invited to Prospect One uh, in New Orleans, um, this is this is a uh, this is this particular piece have uh, is very touching for me also because it not only represents the Mississippi River but it also represents uh, a, a project that come up uh, that I come up with years before Kat the Katrina uh, a, a storm happened uh, and this is uh, I'm I am with my mother she's in bed she's about to die. And uh, I'm reading uh, a book, I forgot the, the writer right now, but it's based on the history of the Mississippi uh, River and, 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 and all the South. And the first time that I'm reading in English for me, so it was kind of tough, but I still was a very good exercise. And there is, uh, in, in this book, there is a, a moment in which you are already, the, the writer is telling you how hard it's going to be the flood that is going to cover the entire New Orleans. This is a 1927 uh, flood that happened in New Orleans. And then I'm like, I cannot believe that this is happening. This is, I'm reading this in the book, but my mother is about also to happen to die. And that moment, that tragedy that I'm experiencing in the book, I'm experiencing in real life. And I always said at that time, I would like to do something that relates to, to the Mississippi someday. And that someday came. That someday was in 2008 when Dan Cameron invites me, and I proposed him the idea of creating this piece, which is to create, you know, somehow the, like, the, 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 you know, the shape of the, of the river and, uh, or the affluence of the river. And, um, but in relation to the idea of the levees, you know, that they broke when the Katrina storm happened, but in this case they are made out of wood and create the sensation of a, a, a physical object that you can control, that you can actually hold. But it's funny because this piece also had a tragic end. This piece, people started to react to the, to the work entering to the, and, and walking through the piece and eventually the piece broke. 
And the piece uh, at the moment is, is in a storage in, in New Orleans, but it's broke. So uh, as part of my book, I remember when Christina was uh, 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 with me working on the book, she says, Alec, I would like to include the images of the Mississippi uh, uh, piece broken. And I was like, why? It doesn't make any sense. Said, no, 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 make total sense. Mm -hmm. It is important because it's part of the history of that piece. So uh, we included the, the pictures of that a particular piece. And uh, so that also is uh, another step to, to uh, like uh, Dan Cameron was explaining in the, in the video and the, in the film that we just saw a few minutes ago, how the, 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 the piece was there, but the river was in the background. So that relationship that you create between the object and the space where is, uh, or to the space where it's linked, is continue being meaningful and important for me. So here we go. Probably this is more related to the suicide also, landscape. We can flip through some of these. And yeah, and, uh, but this is also, and I think this explained better. Yeah. They're very similar. Pregón, which is, uh, is um, uh, Pregón is a, is a type of uh, uh, music uh, genre. And um, it relates to the, the idea of like uh, those peddlers are like singing in the streets, selling their products. And I took the, the name of Pregón because it's very meaningful for Cubans uh, and put it to this particular piece, which um, is a dialogue in which I want to incorporate the, 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 you know, the, the, the viewer, the, the spectators, as part of the object, the object itself. There is a unity there that I want to, com to, com to, to build. There are no separate elements. They are all together. And that's what I uh, did. Then I have conspiracy, which happened to be part of the project that I'm going to be doing in Coachella for uh, April. But here, the idea of expanding the notion of a space is, a is simply to take that object that hold one single uh, person, but instead you build this, uh, or this maquette of a, of a building, which allows the idea of a community, to bring a community to that same place. But at the same time, deal with that. What comes first? It's like the egg of a chicken, but here is, or, or the building or the chair. So the chair is that, that place of reflection, that place of uh, thinking, you know, and everything somehow comes out of that. I remember um, it being in Cuba and the significance that was just put on the chair. One, Wilfredo Lamb's great painting in Bellas Artes of the chair. and. Um, it was referenced in so many different ways um, when I was down there, and I just remember very simply uh, an old woman saying to me, a chair is accessible to everybody, and everybody can sit in it and has a story to tell. And Absolutely. it was just so important that you have a, a place to just be able to tell that story. So. Absolutely. So here, uh, the Room of All, which is uh, a, a project that I, um, uh, was my project for the Havana Biennial in 2011. And uh, this particular piece, I'm already uh, living in New York, and I, I want to be, I want to bring something to Havana Biennial that somehow doesn't relate to the general subject that somehow we deal with in Havana. I want to bring something totally foreign to the, to the Biennial. And I chose this particular piece, which, I mean, somehow to educate, you know, <laughs> because, I mean, you talk about the Dow Jones in Havana, and they think you are talking Chinese. So um, I proposed them to bring this idea. Uh, they accepted it. And it is a very simple piece. I initially wanted to uh, link in real time uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the Dow Jones to this particular piece. But obviously, we have the lack of internet and all the connections that will fail. So I have to do it mechanically. But the idea was checking uh, daily how the Dow, Dow Jones is doing and make the changes that provoke that Dow Jones to that particular piece. So definitely, you visit the, 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 the place and you won't see the, the, the object moving. But if you take photographs carefully, you will see how the, the object is, is slightly uh, moving. So uh, this uh, piece definitely is going to be uh, a centerpiece of what I'm going to be doing after, definitely. This, I was at, the, uh, at this particular biennial, and it was very, very popular. And even for, 
Cubans who weren't relating it to the economic situation, they understood it on another level, which is the beauty of, of all your work, was um, these forces that control you know, your fate and your destiny and your good fortune or your bad fortune. Absolutely. And, they, and it was definitely read on that level, and people, they, def they got it. And I have also to mention, because I, I norm normally never mention this, this uh, detail, but there is this uh, uh, installation done by Chris Burden, in, in, I think it was in 83, that is called Samson, in which he, he uh, set at the entrance of the gallery one of these uh, tourniquets, like for when you enter to the metro, oh, to the subway, the turnstile, turn mm -hmm. that when you enter to the gallery, the, he installed like two large beams out of uh, wood. Uh, so when you enter, they will expand the walls of the, of the, <laughs> of the gallery to the point that they will collapse. <laughs> so you know how Chris Burden was. Uh, he's one of my idols. And uh, when I was creating this piece, I definitely thought of that particular piece. Because at the time he was dealing with uh, the specific space and how the artwork actually can provoke uh, changes in that particular piece. But in this case, is how uh, an external uh, institution like the Dow Jones can control that single space of what is the art piece and how the value change and all that. So that was somehow how I linked uh, sometimes my work not only to a specific situation, but also thinking in terms, thinking in terms of uh, art history and how artists have uh, solved that, those problems before. Uh, I was telling to Michelle that this piece was born, uh, was born in Spain. I was invited to create this, this particular piece, not in the way that you are seeing it now, in a different way. Initially, the piece was um, uh, meant to be an actual object made of rubber installed in front of a facade of the, the particular building in Spain, in Madrid. And somehow uh, there, was, there was a misunderstanding, and uh, in the end I wasn't unable to make the piece. And, uh, and I thought that one of the misunderstandings was that the piece wasn't complete, because one of the fear was to, I mean, for the institution, that will be called the attention in a period of time that they didn't want to call the attention. And precisely that was my idea, to create this trompelo that you have this uh, massive uh, ball that seems to, that is going to crash the building, but instead it's gonna be playful because it's gonna hit the surface and bounce back. And that was my idea initially. So since that was not possible, I decided that I have to refine uh, the, the piece. And I come up with the idea of the, the, the projection. So the projection means that I can project that piece whenever I want and wherever I want. And definitely, I didn't have the opportunity to make it like a thug, you know? But I was invited to um, a, a friend of mine who visited my studio in, in Madrid at the time, saw the piece, and she invites me to, uh, to the Thessaloniki Biennial. And that's when the piece was, uh, and it's, like you say, linked to the, to the Greek uh, collapse in the economy and all that. It's not, it's, it's, I didn't make it on purpose, it just happened, you know. <laughs> and after that uh, a, a moment, I'm invited to present the piece in Park Avenue. So we are in the middle of a recent uh, economic crisis. So the piece actually activates, and this is something that is uh, somehow the property of this particular piece. It depends on where it's being projected, definitely will activate. Uh, stories behind the building. And that's something that for me is very important. That's why a Space Defeated became uh, like something very meaningful to me because it's about how the work can affect that particular uh, institution or, or building and bring other ideas that are hidden behind that a particular Let, building. We're going to run out of time, so let's quick okay. go to... Um, so here is... Well, uh, why don't we go to No Limits, just for... D okay. D oh, so No <laughs> Limits. So No Limits is, uh, as you... Um, uh, well, for those of you who were able to see the, the, the film, No Limits uh, uh, so far have been like the most important project <laughs> I've been involved with. And uh, one of the particular things of No Limits is like, I never foresee that moment to happen. You know, you, have, you dream with lots of things, but I never dream with this. So this is, was a, a, a surprise. But when I was invited to create the proposal for uh, No Limits, uh, I was really excited. But at the same time, I was so fearful 
because that means that you are going to be uh, in front of everybody, like naked somehow. And that feeling is really, you know, uh, difficult because um, then you have to be really uh, conscious of what you're doing. And I thought that I was uh, conscious, I'm, I'm still conscious of what I'm doing. Uh, but with this particular piece, you have uh, to think that to do something in New York as a foreigner in relation to landmarks that are so um, well known, not only by New Yorkers, but by everybody else, uh, it means that they are icons that somehow are wasted. You know, they are like being uh, worked by so many, uh, mostly by the touristic industry. <laughs> uh, but um, I thought that since nobody has done it that way, and I have seen Andy Warhol's uh, video of, of uh, the Empire State Building, uh, I saw it in Los Angeles a few years ago, uh, and I was striken by the idea, why not to deal with these buildings that are, I mean, they are so present, but nobody uses in a way that I'm gonna do it. So I'm gonna take my shot, no matter what. Obviously, this is uh, not counting, if, uh, I mean, counting that, uh, that I'm accepted, and I was accepted to do it. And one of the things that I wanted to bring with this idea also is that buildings, like, they represent, obviously, the power. Uh, they are, uh, in this case, as famous institutions. But at the same time, I wanted to bring that essence of what a building is in relation to the, 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 con I mean, the, the, the changes of value, the changes of, uh, of, of, of names, because you, I mean, you have City Corp, then, then is City, uh, is, is, is um, what is the other name of City Corp building? It's uh, City, City Group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, uh, that idea of, of how buildings, they change, they tend to obviously uh, be degraded also with, with time. You have to be on top of them to clean them. You know, all that process that you, uh, that you have in relation to a building, somehow I wanted to bring that over to my project. That's why, for instance, they, two of them or three of them, they relate to the idea of the fire hose, as simple as that. The fire hose is this element is present in every building and it's the, 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 the object that ultimately will make the, the building to survive in case of an emergency or, or fire, you know. But then you have the, the Euroboro, which is the, the, the snake that bites its own tail, this uh, uh, element uh, in our history, and I wanted to link that to architecture. That's why those two particular buildings, the, the Hemsley, and I, I, I knew barely about Leona Hemsley, but <laughs> after I started You learned to, more about <laughs> her, I'm sure. <laughs> when, when I started to work on this, definitely I researched on her, I saw the film, you know, so, so it's, uh, it's something that definitely is linked to this uh, idea of the city devouring itself, you know, and that process of being in New York as a city that is constantly devouring you and then you, can't, you have to bring something new again. So this particular photo, taken by Yandi Pavon, a dear friend and a great photographer who recently won the New York Times uh, uh, Prize in photography, he took this particular photo at that moment when we were uh, doing the opening of, uh, we were doing a walk. That's how we did it, the, the presentation of Park Avenue because I didn't know how to do that, you know. So we did a walk. And like we are doing a walk, but we are not supposed to have that many people there. The police came. <laughs> you have to move. You're not supposed to be in a crowd like this. So I was moving with the crowd, checking the, the cops and all that situation. But at the same time was a, 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 an extraordinary moment for me. It was like I said, initially I didn't even dream with this. This is happy happened. But after that, then I started to dream larger than this. <laughs> so maybe I think we're getting close to our time if we can quickly right. go through these and then get to where so you've gone this, from this project. So from that project, now I've been involved in, you know, I've been uh, invited to, to create a lot of uh, new commissions. But I would like to, before going to the last thing, I would like to talk a little bit about this because you know, I've been this, uh, in dialogue with all this idea of, uh, you know, uh, how to relate to a specific space. 
But then you have the idea of a space of a macro space, but then you have the idea of a micro space. And I want to address also that. And I created this project, which is the map and the fact, uh, the, the, the map, which is a large drawing. Uh, I cannot tell you the measurements are now in feet, but it's uh, five meters long yeah, to something. something. Oh, you yeah, have it there, yeah. you have it there, okay, fine. So on this particular piece, it represents a, a world map. You can barely tell it's a world map. But if you see carefully, this is, it is upside down because this is Africa, this is you know, India here, you have Australia, uh, South America here, Central America, North America here. But it's all like getting loose somehow, you know? It's like, uh, it, is, it, is, it is a map that is, is totally communicated. There are no borders, there are no uh, situations like, like that. But at the Fluid. same time, you have that element, which is larger than the, the drawing itself. And I have another picture here. It's larger than the drawing itself. That it actually represents a detail of that drawing. But it's, it's larger than the drawing. So this idea of this convention that we have of the micro and the macro space now is being challenged here. And this uh, obviously for me represents a, a sort of a, a plowed field uh, made out of wood. And I added to that plowed field those photographs that are encapsulated in, uh, in acrylic of little uh, drops of water and honey and also dew. This idea of uh, uh, regenerate uh, or, or, or create this new uh, space. Did you choose yellow for? Um, I chose yellow for. Ochun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the yellow actually is inspired in those uh, um, um, wheat field of uh, Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. So that's why I chose mm -hmm. yellow. It's particularly related and to that. And also yellow is the color of Ochun, one of the of um, Santeria uh, Orishas. Ochun. Here, this is my, uh, the, uh, the, the most recent prayer that I have done in Havana. It also relates to the idea of, of the map, but in this case, the map of silence. And it is uh, more about the idea of what, I mean, silence is not an empty space. Silence is where things are being generated. So that's why I, for instance, I have this, uh, which is a self-portrait. It is a video projection. You have that gap or that open area where you can th see through. And then you're gonna see those same elements that you saw on the, on the plow field that they are these elements of water. I think honey. I have a, a detail if you go oh, to the yeah, next Oh, one. yeah, yeah have they a are. Detail. Yeah, That's so the detail. looking through. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's talking about that. Silence is not an empty space. It's something, it is an, a space where things actually are developing. So this is also part of that uh, exhibition, Alamar, which is resembled this uh, um, um, uh, housing project that was done in the 70s in, in Havana. But here, I'm turning them, here you don't see it, but here you'll see it It's better. sort of the equivalent of um, what you would think of as the projects. The it's projects. On the outskirts exactly. of, of So Havana. here is, uh, it, it turns it into, a, a, I turn it into a, a, a sledgehammer. I mean, this is one of the worst projects ever done in Cuba in terms of architecture. But at the same time, they were very useful. Uh, but uh, the relationship that we all have with this particular place is very contradictory, you mm -hmm. know. So I wanted to address that idea, especially bringing this exhibition to Havana to deal with those issues of uh, Alamar as a place uh, to think about. That might not have been so easy to do five, ten years ago. With, oh, I mean, it, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And, and this particular piece, it weighs a lot. This is all the steel. It weighs a lot. It's 90 kilos. And then the, the wood piece. Let's just go to um, the last. So here, there, here we are. This is what I'm currently doing. Uh, this is about to be open in, uh, in April. And uh, from here, I'm going to, to Los Angeles in Coachella, where I'm developing this, this project. It's uh, coincidentally, uh, when we were, uh, I mean, the organizers were choosing the, the, the project out of several drawings that I have displayed to them, they chose the idea of creating this particular project, which is related also to Katrina, somehow. It's titled Katrina Chairs. Mm -hmm. And what I have done here, and you might remember that other uh, piece of the chair and the building, it is the same thing. 
Only the here is developed into a large scale project and the relationship with the scale, obviously it, it is important. It is more about the presence, it's real. It's not that maquette of a building that I have done previously for the Museum of Art and Design. Here you're dealing with an actual building. So this is for me one of the, well, it, is, it is the most recent project I'm working on at the moment. And for those who are able to go to Coachella, I'll be there during <laughs> April. So you are Let's very all welcome. Let's go. Woo. <laughs> all right. Okay, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. And that's it. Yay. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast. 